had been healed by him. And if that was in fact the case, well, just hearing was enough to move these guys into action. Their faith that Jesus could heal Joe and the love and compassion for their friend, that's what motivated them to get him to Jesus. Just one thought was running through their minds at this point. we got to get Joe to Jesus. Whatever it takes, Joe is going to meet Jesus today. Here's the question, church family. Who's your Joe? Who is your Joe? Who do you know that is paralyzed with sin in this life? Who do you know that is desperate to meet Jesus? We all know somebody. We all have somebody in our life that doesn't know Christ. We know who they are. We know where they are. We see the hurt in their eyes every day. We feel the pain in their voice every time we talk to them. And guys, for the next few minutes, I want want you to think about that person. And as you do, I want you to think about that person in a very real place called hell. place of eternal torment. Hell is a place where the very presence of God is absent. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the worst thing that you heard about this week. The worst thing that you heard about this week. It might have been a car wreck. might have been a murder. might have been a natural disaster. Whatever it was. Think about all the bad things in this world. That's a consequence of sin. Original sin in the garden. But God in His mercy and His grace has provided a restrainer against those evil things and it's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is restraining the full force of the devil. The full force of hell on this earth. But one day, the restrainer will be gone. And the devil will be unleashed with all his fury on this earth. The bad things we see right now is just a glimpse of what hell is really like. And that's where Joe will be unless he meets Jesus. The same compassion, the same love, the same heart that drove these men To go to such great lengths to see their friend made well by Jesus. Guys, that's the same passion that's got to drive us to get our Joe to Jesus. Now, one more point on this and I'll move on. Look at this. It wasn't Joe's, it wasn't Joe's faith that impressed Jesus. It wasn't Joe that was crying out. The scripture doesn't say Joe ever cried out. It was his friend's faith. That impressed Jesus. It was their cries of desperation for their friend. That touched the very heart of God himself. And it was this love in action. That so moved Christ. That he had compassion on Joe. And healed him from his affliction. Here's another lesson. Guys our faith. It affects others. In very real In very eternal ways. Our faith can't make someone else a Christian. Our faith cannot save someone else. But our faithful prayers for that person. And us living out our faith in front of that person. Can and will have an eternal impact. 
James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now James isn't saying here, guys, that works without faith is what saves us. Nor is he saying that faith without works is what saves us. What James is saying here, if our hearts have truly been changed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith and our works should come together and show that. Y'all with me? In other words, just like Bubba and the gang got their hands a little dirty to show their friend the love of Christ, church family, we must be willing to do the exact same thing. Amen? Y'all with me? Let me put it to you another way. It's time that we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, get off our tails. Get out there, get our hands dirty, and start being the church. Now look at verse 26 with me again really quick. And it says, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Now that word strange can be better translated as the word we know as awesome. They had seen awesome things that day. If we want to see awesome things happen among us, guys, then we got to do what Bubba and the gang did. we got to be willing to get the harassed and the helpless to Jesus no matter what it takes. If it takes cutting a hole in a roof, so be it. We'll get some sheetrock and we'll patch it up later. If it takes getting our hands a little dirty, you know what? We'll go to the bathroom, we'll wash it off later. Let's just get out there and be the church, guys. Then one day, one day we might be able to say we have seen strange things today. we got to be bringers, church family. we got to be bringers. We got to do the obvious. And speaking of being bringers, that brings us to our next example in scripture of what the no perfect people allow culture looks like. It comes from the book of John chapter one. So we're going to be looking at verses forty through forty two. Love to hear those pages turning. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now let's set the scene here. In the scripture before this happens, John the Baptist had been preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, that the Messiah was coming, and that everyone should repent and be baptized and prepare the way of the Lord. The future disciples of Christ, of which Andrew and Peter were a part, heard John's message and they responded What's interesting about Andrew is, is, is his response. Now, what does Scripture say he does? Well, Andrew followed John, met Jesus, and after meeting Christ, immediately went and found his brother Simon and told him about Jesus saying, we have found the Messiah. You see, guys, Andrew was excited. They had found the long-awaited Messiah, and Andrew wanted everyone he knew to know Jesus. And that's why he started with his older brother, Simon. Now it's interesting to note that Cephas is also translated as Peter, who eventually became a strong leader of the disciples. 
In Matthew 16, after Simon had declared in verse 16 that Jesus was the Christ and the Son of the living God, Jesus said to him in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It wasn't Peter's. Conf- it was it was Peter's confession of faith in Christ that he is the Son of God. That was the rock on which Christ would build His church. Not Peter himself, not Peter's character, but Peter would go on to be a strong leader of the disciples and the leader of the first church at Jerusalem. Now imagine this: imagine if Andrew hadn't gone. And found his brother and told him about Jesus. Our church would look a lot different today. You know, we got a lot of stories like this one here at Crossroads. And I want to share just a couple of those stories with you. When God first put it into my heart to, to start our men's outdoor ministry here at Crossroads. By the way, we meet tonight at 6.30 at the church property. Just saying. <laughs> little shameless plug there. Anyways, when God first put it in my heart to start our men's ministry here at, here at Crossroads, He put just one person on my heart to invite to become a part of that ministry. And guys, that person wasn't even a member of our church yet. Now, not only is he a member, he's one of our elders here at Crossroads. And he and his family are some of the greatest servant leaders that our church has. Rich and Jennifer Bray and their two girls, Madison and Connor, have been such a blessing to this church, this family. And we thank God for their hearts and their servant leadership. The second story I want to share with you began over a little, little over a year and a half ago and I was in commerce Shopping for my anniversary, my wife's anniversary present, not mine. Uh, and I went by the Zales factory outlet. I had no idea what I was looking for. I, I, I just, you know, if something hits me, I, whatever. Um, but I was at the Zales factory outlet and apparently the look of confusion on my face was, was blatantly obvious and a nice young lady came up to me and said, hey, can I help you? I said, oh no. <laughs> So she helped me pick something out and another lady rang me up. While the other lady was ringing me up, I took the opportunity to, uh, to, to ask another nice young lady in there if she went to church anywhere. And she said that her and her, her family were looking for a church home. So I invited them here to Crossroads and gave her a true life invite card. The next week they showed up and I don't think they've missed a Sunday ever since. As a matter of fact, her husband, Chris, is now on staff here at Crossroads as our church administrator. That nice young lady at Zales was Kelly Nicholson. Chris, Kelly, and the whole family have been such a blessing to our church here. They're such a wonderful family, and we are so truly blessed to have them and their leadership in our midst. Here's the point, church family. Those invitations to come and see had amazing results that only God could bring about. It wasn't me. It was God working through me. I had no idea if Kelly would come. I had no idea if Rich would buy in. But God did. 
And that's the point. Had those invitations gone unextended, then our church would have missed out on getting to know and to love two amazing families. And our church leadership would have looked very different as we would have been missing out on some great leadership. The point is this, you never know what God's going to do behind the scenes when you extend an invitation to come to someone to come and see. Now, I say all that to say this, we've all been there. Every believer at some point in time has heard the Holy Spirit speak to their heart and say, tell that person about Jesus. Invite that person to church. Tell them about me. Guys, we got to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. we got to be willing to talk about the God who saved us to other people and share what God is doing in our lives with others. Now, I'd venture a guess that almost everyone here has heard of Billy Graham. Is there anyone here who hasn't heard of Billy Graham? Awesome. All right. <laughs> so... You've heard of Billy Graham. Who can tell me who shared the gospel with Billy Graham? Anybody? We got one. I'm not going to let you spoil it. (laughs) I had to look it up, so you're one ahead of me, brother. (laughs) Um, I want to share with you really quick the amazing chain of events that took place for Billy Graham to, to come to saving faith in Christ and begin a ministry that has shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with over 2.2 billion people. That's billion with a B. This article was written by Pastor Travis Agnew. And it says, As of 2008, Billy Graham's estimated lifetime audience, including radio and television broadcast, topped 2.2 billion. That means that 2.2 billion people, approximately 2.2 billion people, have heard the gospel from Billy Graham's mouth. Now, guys, that's hard to wrap your head around right there. Billy Graham has shared the gospel with more people than anyone else in history, but do you know who shared the gospel with him? It's actually a series of events that have been traced over the years and starts out with one volunteer Sunday school teacher. You can count the apples on a tree, but who can count the apples in a seed, goes the old saying. So it is with the influence of a single person. Take Edward Kimball, for example. Never heard of him. You're not unique in that sense. Most people have never heard of him. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for the often rowdy boys in his class, but also sought to win each one to the Lord. If Kimball ever felt like giving up, he never talked about it. If you've ever taught the Bible to young boys, you know that the experience can often be like herding cats. One young man in particular didn't seem to understand what the gospel was all about, so Kimball went to the shoe store where he was stocking shelves and confronted him in the stockroom with the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That young man was Dwight L. Moody. In the stockroom on that Saturday, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God, with untold thousands coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't end there. That's actually where it begins. Under Moody, another man's heart was touched for God, Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became the evangelist who preached to thousands. One day, a professional ball player had a day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings, and thus, Billy Sunday 
was converted. Sunday quit baseball and became a part of Chapman's team. Then Chapman accepted the pastorate of a large church, and Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades. Another young man who was converted, whose name was Mordecai Ham. He was a scholarly, dignified gentleman who wasn't above renting a hearse and parading it through the streets advertising his meetings. When Ham came to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed that he wouldn't go hear him preach, but Billy Frank, as he was called by his family, did eventually go. Ham announced that he knew for a fact that a house of ill repute was located across the street from the local high school and that male students were skipping lunch to go and visit that house. When students decided to go and interrupt the meetings of Mordecai Ham, Billy Frank decided to go see what would happen. That night, Billy Frank went, and he was intrigued by what he heard. Returning another night, he responded to the invitation and was converted. Billy Frank eventually became known as Billy Graham the Evangelist, who preached to more people than any other person who ever lived, including the Apostle Paul. The fascinating chain of events was triggered by a Sunday school teacher's concern for his boys. If you're like most people, you've served in some capacity, and you wondered at times if you were making a real difference or not. Maybe you thought about quitting because you didn't think you were making any difference at all. Next time you tempted to give up, please remember Edward Kimball, whose persistence and faithfulness was tremendously honored by the Lord. The story would have looked very differently if Edward Kimball hadn't taken his Saturday to seek out young Dwight Moody. You can count the apples on a tree, but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. Do your part in the kingdom and trust God. For the results. The point is this, church family. I'm sure that somebody invited Billy Frank or Pastor Graham to that revival that was preached by Mordecai Ham. Somebody was a bringer. Someone felt the Spirit of God speak to their hearts and they invited him or probably maybe pestered him into going that night. Or it might have been that Pastor Graham's own curiosity and wanting to see what would happen. That might have been what brought him there. But ultimately, it was the Holy Spirit of God that brought him back the second night. And that is when he accepted Jesus as his Savior. And as a result, Pastor Graham has preached the gospel to more people than anyone else in human history. No one knows what one simple invitation can do in the hands of God. Jesus invited Andrew to come and see. Andrew invited his brother Simon, who became Peter, the strong leader of the early church at Jerusalem. I love how Pastor Agnew ended his article on Pastor Graham. You can count the apples on a tree, but only God knows the apples that are in a seed. Do your part in the kingdom and trust God for the results. So let's wrap all this up. What does our no perfect people allow culture look like as far as our responsibilities in inviting others into our fellowship? I have three points that spell it all out. One, pray. Two, be willing. Three, be bold. Church family, we must be a praying church. We must make praying for lost people a daily part of our lives. We must pray that God will use us to bring them to Jesus. Church family, we must be willing. We must be willing to surrender our will to the Father's will, and we must be willing to take the next step of inviting others to come and see 
And finally, church family, we must be bold. I know in this politically correct world, it's not easy to talk about things like life and death or heaven and hell. But let me ask you a question. Are we really going to let a little bit of uneasiness, a little bit of uncomfortable feeling keep us from sharing the love of Jesus Christ with others? Are we going to let political correctness keep us boxed up? Can I tell you what will happen? This politically correct world will be politically correct in hell. Because it's our job. We are called as believers to share Jesus with other people. I want all of you to take out your bulletins. Inside you're going to find some cards that say Operation Andrew on them. I want you to take out that card and I want you to look at it. You'll see that there are three blank lines on that card. On those lines, I want you to write Joe's name, whoever your Joe is, plus two more people. You say, well, Story, what are you going to do with these cards? Well, first we're going to ask you to pray over them. That God will begin softening the hearts of those three people that need Jesus to hear and receive the gospel. Secondly, we're going to ask you to invite them. But more than that, I want all of us to commit to pray for them. I had people praying for me that I didn't even know when I came to faith in Christ. So if we pray for these people, God will move in their hearts. So who do you know? Who do you know that's paralyzed with sin? Who's that Joe that Jesus is asking you to bring here. We're asking you to invite these people on Easter Easter Sunday to bring them here to hear the gospel. Remember what all the people said after they saw Jesus heal the paralyzed man and Luke? We have seen strange things today. Remember how they glorified God for the awesome things they'd seen? Can I tell you something, church family? It's the same God. We have the same Savior. We proclaim the same message. But do we have the same heart? Do we have the same heart? Do we have a heart filled with love for our friends? Do we love them enough? To give them a card and say, come to church with me. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to die and go to hell. Do you love you, Joe, that much? Bubba and the gang did. They loved Joe. So are we willing? Are we willing to be bringers? Are we willing to allow God to use us? Are we satisfied? To see Joe and thousands more like him lie helpless on the mat of this life paralyzed by their sin. You know, I'd be willing to bet each one of you at some point in time were invited to this church. You know, Tom Hayes invited Laura and I almost four years ago. And because he did, Tom was, because Tom was faithful to listen to the Holy Spirit when it spoke to his heart, God has been fulfilling his plans in us ever since. 
All because of an invitation from one man for Laura and I to come and see. God has given me the opportunity to stand before you today and do the exact same thing. So here's the question, guys. Will you do it? Will you be a bringer? If you'll commit today just to pray for these people that God has put on your heart and ask God for the boldness to invite them here on Easter Sunday, well, we might just be able to say, well, we have seen strange things today. Church family, we're going to make it easy for you. We have some true life cards for you to use to invite those people to church. On your way out, please go by the welcome desk. If they're out there, I think they're out there. And pick some of those up. You never know the impact that an invitation might have on a person's life. I've got one more point to make and I'll be done. I believe there are three groups of people in here this morning. First, I believe there are those who have been bringing people to Jesus by sharing their testimony with them or inviting them to church. And thank God for you. Keep it up. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Second, I believe there are those who have been convicted today that they need to become bringers. That they need to be bringing their lost friends to church. They need to be cutting holes in a roof. They need to be getting their hands dirty. If that's you, thank God for you. Jesus said, pray that more laborers will come into the field of his harvest. So we are thankful for you. Lastly, there are those who have been brought here today in order that they might have the opportunity to meet Jesus. And it's this last group that I want to talk to for just a minute now. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today for the first, second, or even third time and you felt God speaking to your heart and you felt God calling you into a love relationship with Jesus, why not respond to Him today? You say, well, story, how do I do that? Well, it's real simple. You just respond to Him in the same way that He spoke to you with your heart. From your heart to God's heart, just pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, that I need a Savior. And it's you, Lord Jesus. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me today. I give all that I am to all of you today. My heart is yours. My life is yours, Lord Jesus. I want you to be my Savior. I accept the gift of eternal life by faith in the fact that you are the Son of God and that you are the only way for me to get to heaven. Now thank Him. If that's your prayer, thank Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you just prayed that prayer, well, we want to celebrate with you the most important decision that you'll ever make. In a moment, the worship team will start to play. When the music starts, we have an area in the back of the sanctuary called our next step area. When the music starts, I want you to get up and walk to the back of the room. You say, well, Story, what's going to happen if I walk back there? There are going to be people that will pray with you. There are going to be people that can answer questions. There are going to be people that 
will do and meet you however and whatever your need is today. But don't wait. If you trusted Jesus as your Savior, we just want to celebrate with you more than anything else. So please give us the opportunity to do that. Now for everybody else, I just want to pray for all of you. For those that have been faithful to to be a bringer, to bring people to Jesus, thank God for you. And for those that are committing today to becoming bringers, thank God for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every heart in this room. Lord, I thank you for this message that you brought. I thank you for just moving me to the side and speaking to your people. Lord, you give us the conviction and the boldness to, to be bringers, to, to share your love with others. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to bring the harassed and the helpless of this world into your church body. Lord, give us ears to hear their cries and may our hearts be full of compassion to invite them into this culture, the no perfect people allowed culture that you've created here at Crossroads. And Lord, when they come, give us a heart to love those people with your amazing love. In the strong and saving name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.